Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the Fed's desire to create a job loss recession at seemingly almost any cost and what that means for mortgage rates. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Melinda Wilner, Chief Operating Officer at UWM, about PA+. Melinda, why should independent mortgage brokers and processors take advantage of this tool? So it's a great new tool, but we're fans of processing of any way. So whether it's an in-house processor, a contract processor, or using PA Plus is a great way to go. We believe that it increases efficiency for loan officers and broker owners to focus on getting new business and working on the business rather than chasing around documents. Thanks, Melinda. And listeners, you can find out more at uwm.com. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah, on a glorious Friday PCE inflation day. Oh my gosh. Let's talk. Let's get right into it. Inflation. What are we seeing? I could safely say now that the Federal Reserve actually lied to all of us last year. And I was a little bit suspicious of them last year on this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my case because I, I have not been a Fed pivot person until the labor market breaks. And I think the pushback I get on that is that the Federal Reserve has correctly told the marketplace that they are tracking three-month, six-month, 12-month core PCE, personal consumption expenditures, that inflationary data. They want that back down to 2%. So under that premise, with their forecast for that data line to come down, you know, the the Fed pivot started to pick up uh, steam uh, toward the end of last year, except I kind of was just like, no, really, they kind of seem like they want to go after the labor market. Um, so I can't prove it until we get a serious amount of data that gets to the Fed where they would want to say, OK, we're done. And with where three months, six month, 12 month core PCE is today they should easily be saying we're done uh we're we're no longer hiking we're going to we're going to stay here and hold rates but that's not the case we're we had fed people talking about rate hikes coming up next uh they were hiking rates during the banking crisis they said there was no stress in the system then emergency lending there's all these things happening on top of core pce getting to a level that they wanted the kind of the fed funds to be at and uh, hopefully now people can understand why I uh, wasn't a Fed pivot person and have f- flat out said they want a job loss recession. They keep on telling people this, right? We need to attack the labor market, attack the labor market, labor market, labor market, too much. And we even have 18 months of wage growth cooling down and they don't care, right? So if it was a normal year where there is no debt ceiling issue, there is no uh, banking crisis. Uh, the economy is just expanding. Okay, you know, uh, but that's not the case. Uh, they were still tightening, you know, even knowing that credit was getting tighter before the banking crisis, after the banking crisis, and still talking about it. So hopefully now people can understand I'm a little, was a little bit suspicious of that. And 
That's why not a Fed pivot person. I think we we talked about this in October of last year uh, in a podcast. It just seems to me that the Federal Reserve's old models were, you know, the natural unemployment rate is like near 5%. And uh, they um, wage growth uh, needs to come down. And, wa- and labor supply is actually the Fed's target. It's not so much core PCE. They believe that the the, we need to create a higher unemployment rate to fight inflation, which is 1970s, and they're sticking to it. And even with all the comments that we've seen uh, the, just this week, uh, that has been the most consistent theme with the Federal Reserve. And then it explains everything, everything that's happened, you know, in the last uh, um, uh, eight months, actually. So from your perspective, because you have always said that you thought that they wouldn't pivot until uh, uh, jobless claims got to a certain point, right? Yes. Uh, until, well, you know, two things. A jobless claims four-week moving average. It's always key to say four-week moving average because you could have like one report have a spike and, and, and not get there. But if jobless claims gets to, I guess, above 323,000, then the labor market, you know, the, the, the labor market has broke. See, people are used to a Federal Reserve um, making sure that employment is is is, is going well. So uh, it's it's weird to a lot of people for them to target labor uh, directly. Uh, so we're not there yet. Again, we were the only people during the recovery that said job openings are going to get to ten million. For there's a lot of people who do not like the job openings data. They don't believe it's valid, but the Federal Reserve believes in it. So the Federal Reserve does not fear a kind of a job loss recession with job openings at nine and a half million. I think they they would feel more comfortable. It's really crazy to say this, but the two and a half million decline in job openings hasn't created a job loss recession. I think they want it to get down to seven million. That's the pre-COVID levels. Uh, wage growth was more acceptable then. So they're really attacking labor and wages. Uh, that's the focus. And I think it, after today's core PCE report, which came in a little bit uh, uh, hotter than expected, but kind of still in, in that downtrend, and you know, again, over the next twelve months, the, the shelter aspect kicks in. Um, they might even hike again in the next report. So uh, I, I, I was suspicious, and now, now I think my suspicion was correct. And again, I, this is why I think if you're not a if you if you believe the Fed's not going to pivot, you have to give your reasons why. This is my going back to October, the reasons why, and we're sitting here today. And with all the events that have happened this year, hopefully that emphasizes why I believe they will target labor, not inflation. So you have said that consistently, and I think you're proven right. So let, let's talk about, do you think they're right to target labor, right? So that's such a, you, you keep saying, well, that's 1970s thinking, but do they have to do that in order to really kill the inflation? My theme has always been the Federal Reserve. If you want to keep rates higher for longer, you're going to have to endure, which means that if you get the Fed's funds rates to where you thought three month, five or six month, 12 month corn PCE is, then you just, you have to let it stay there and just deal with it, right? Go with it. But they're not doing that. Um, they're attacking the labor market because they really believe the best way to fight inflation is the same way in the 1970s, a job loss recession. 
So my premise would be just to endure and just say, listen, we're done. We realize that the banking crisis happened and we're not going to try to like discount that. We realize credit is getting tighter. Um, we realize that the debt ceiling issue, you know, it might get resolved very quickly, but there's all this stress in the system. And we can all see this. The bond market has been accelerating higher. The dollar is getting stronger. Remember last year, was like, we don't want the dollar to get too strong. It gets problematic. And mortgage, uh, the spreads are getting wider and wider. Um, a great example of what I'm talking about is, you know, the, the 2023 forecast, bond yields and mortgage rates, bond yields and mortgage rates, right? Seven a quarter is the peak. And that ties with a four and a quarter 10-year yield. That's of your 2023 That's forecast. a 2023 forecast. We're almost at seven and a quarter. And the 10-year yield today is at, you know, 3.82. So we've got a, a, a noticeable spread between that uh, and the spreads were actually getting a little bit better before the banking crisis, and they've just gone reversed right now. So they know all this is happening, and they don't care, right? And so instead of in saying, I endure, I want a soft landing, they're just go through with it. So, and that makes sense. If, you, if you're a 1970s person, you need a job loss recession. There's just no way around it. You cannot have, uh, and, and when you attack labor, uh, uh, that means the labor supply grows, and that means spending will come down because you're 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 pushing rates high enough to hopefully impact uh, people spending, and you know that's people are spending still and people are working still. So in their minds, they don't believe that's a good thing because they believe we're in the early stages of the 1970s inflation, which I 100% disagree with because if that was the case, the 10-year yield would be north of five and a quarter. And inflation would be much hotter than what it is. It's not happening in that regards. And over the next 12 months, the shelter aspect will cool down. Mathematically, just using arithmetic, you're not going to get the 70s inflation for the next 12 months. And they don't care. That's that's that trying to explain to people that they don't care. Uh, and that's why, you know, targeting labor to them is their primary goal. And I think that's still to this day, it's confusing for people to think it in that light. But if you do it, if you look at it in that context, um, then everything makes sense. Everything they've done, you know, uh, as, uh, since the fall of last year makes 100% sense. So from your perspective, if they just, um, if they didn't focus on a job loss recession and just let this play out, we would avoid 1970s style res- um, inflation anyway. Well, we cannot get 1970s inflation. I mean, that, that is just the, di- the labor dynamics back then, uh, uh, the growth in wages and rent and everything took off. And the, the exact opposite is happening, right? It's not um, – I know there's, there's a group of people that would say that, well, you know, we have a dying population and wages will have to accelerate. No, wages do not ha- – the wage spiral premise is not working, right? The wage growth has been falling for 18 months. Go look at the BLS year-over-year data. In a wage spiral 1970s inflation, that goes up. In a 1970s inflation, and the headline inflation data is is twice as hotter, two, three times hotter than it is right now. That's not happening. Uh, We had a supply shock. We had a demand shock. We had a global pandemic. They're all historically inflationary. And now over the next 12 months, it's going to slowly, slowly start to come down. So um, I, I, I think they, they, 
they panicked and um, they feel like the cover of a job loss recession would validate them as uh, Federal Reserve greats. And uh, that's what, this is why I, I've held to my they will not pivot stance just by the things they've said, the comments they have made, and also their age, right? These are old people, man. We don't call them old and slow for a reason, right? And and even if there was no banking crisis, if there was no weak, uh, crazy stuff happening in the market, okay, you can make somewhat of a case, but that's all happening. And if things are getting tighter, right? So uh, trying to convey that to people that, I don't think they care about the the inflation. Their their own forecasts talk about the slowdown in inflation, and they're still pressing along. Not only do they do they not care, and they want a job loss recession. It seems particularly true that they have said it's okay if all that you know if a lot of that pain is on housing. I mean, where we are with interest rates right now. So we're, we're um, recording this on Friday, May twenty sixth. Over seven percent uh, mortgage rates. Right. I mean they. It, that is killer for the mortgage industry. Sarah uh, Waller, one of our favorite Fed people, said, well, with the housing rebound, and I literally like spit out my coffee, housing rebound? We're at 10-year lows. We bounced off the biggest collapse in history, and they call that a rebound. You know, And that, oh boy, and I, I've, said, I've said this, just like what Neil Kashkari did when he said, oh my God, 6% mortgage rates. That's going to be a problem. People buying homes, having sex, having kids, household formation means you consume, right? My whole, you know, in 2019, I talked about, you know, I I can't see a deflationary collapse in America because we have a lot of young people and young people have sex and they have kids and they create households and they buy stuff. It's different than people like Powell and, and Waller at their age. They don't do that stuff anymore. So the fear of, even mortgage rates getting down to 6% and stabilizing demand made them panic. And then uh, Waller said it again this week that the rebound in housing. And I was just like, oh, my God, they've lost their minds on some of this stuff. Do like, I, I, honestly, I honestly would not have any of them. If they worked for me in a firm and they were saying this as an analyst, they're gone. You're fired. How is that a rebound? You could make a very solid case. We need a stabilization. Forward-looking data got better, right? But it came off the biggest collapse in home sales history. So the builders are working their magic and paying down rates, right? <clears throat> Imagine if they couldn't do that. So that's that's just not how, you know, I, I just think the, the fear of the 70s has really overtaken them. And uh and I'm trying to make sense of this for people because people tell me like, like, but this is happening. I said, yeah, but th- all they care about is labor, right? Because we all know the growth rate inflation is cooling down. It's not re-excelling. It's, it, it's, it's, it's cooling down. And the arithmetic for you over the next 12 months is good on that front. So um, again, no pivot until the labor, until the labor force breaks uh, 323,000 on the four week moving average. And my pivot is not rate cuts. It's the language changes first. They're going to say, okay, well, the labor market is not as strong as we thought anymore. Once you get that, then you start working into other stages of the economy, but, uh, we're, we're not there yet. So looking at your 2023 forecast and where you had a uh, 10 year yield and what that meant for mortgage rates, 
Do you now think with uh, what the Fed is doing that you need that you're going to see uh, rates go higher? Ten year yield. Break well, it, it really, it really short term. Um, depending on when this situation with the debt ceiling uh, uh, ends, uh, uh, all all bond yields, short, medium, long term, they're all rising together as soon as this uh, uh, episode started to kick up. So I, it really depends on do we see a bond rally after this has been uh, um, fixed? Because in theory, if you're having uh, spending caps and the government is not putting more money into the economy, then you have the student loan debt payments, those things are actually negatives for the uh, U.S. economy, not positive. So you take those away with everything else is going on. Bond yields should see a rally. We're very oversold in, in sh- uh, short term on the bond market. So uh, that could quickly reverse. Uh, if, if that happens, I don't think I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to get my seven and a quarter uh, out there. So technically, if the mortgage back spreads didn't get worse and we didn't have this debt ceiling situation, I probably uh, wouldn't be able to get that seven and a quarter. But it just shows you how stressed the mortgage market has been uh, uh, in the last few months, especially in the last few weeks uh, due to this the debt ceiling issue on top of the uh, banking crisis uh, with that. Okay. Well, um, break that down a little bit more. Explain it like I'm five. If I'm in the mortgage industry going into June, are mortgage rates going up even even past where we are now? As as long as the ten year yield stays in that channel, you can you can get seven and a half to even eight percent rates. As long as the ten year yield, yeah, and that's that's the reality. I know a lot of people thought about the growth rate of inflation falling and falling. Though we had we created that Gandalf line for a reason. We said no. We 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 hold that level until labor breaks. Right now, short term, you need to get a little bit more clarity on the debt ceiling issue. If that occurs and bonds rally, you can have the bond yields uh, come back down and mortgage rates come back down. So to me, that's a short term. That's the issue. We have not been able to stay above 7% for very long. Technically, we've been here four times now. We had a very brief uh, breach uh, uh, the first time. So we'll see how long the duration is. But as long as this drama continues, bond yields, you know, still have a little bit ways to go up higher. And now we, you know, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago when people said, well, rates should be lower. And we said, hey, listen, it can get worse, <laughs> right? Uh, mortgage rates can get worse because the spreads are getting worse. And if bond yields rise, you can get to uh, 7.5 and, and, and 8% mortgage rates. But uh, as of now, I think the, the, we, we focus on what, when the debt ceiling issue gets resolved and see how the market uh, reacts because bond the bond market is very oversold short term. We can only hope that by the time this airs on Memorial Day, that there has uh, you know they've come to an agreement on the debt ceiling and that is no longer a variable. Yeah, and, and I think you know um, with less money coming into the economy, and then this if they the student loan debt uh, payments start to to come up, come about that in itself. Uh, is a negative for the economy. And that, you know, again, pushes us over on the labor market. So though you, you, you could look at it in that case uh, of, of what's going on, the debt ceiling, how it's being uh, discussed and, 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 uh, and handled. Uh, but, you know, the, the payments, the student loan debt payments itself, even though, even though we had the longest economic and job expansion in history with, with whoever was still paying their student loan payments, we're still doing it. Uh, you put that layer onto what is going on currently. And again, that just takes 
uh, money out of the system because you're just paying a payment and interest. The government owns most of the uh, the government owns most of the student loan debt, so they make actual money. Uh, not a lot of people know this, but the government makes billions of dollars on student loan debt because that's their that's their uh, 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 they they own the servicing rights. So uh, I remember they were like making fifty to sixty billion dollars a, a, a year. So that in itself is not like what we call productive because the government's not going to really filtrate that interest income out to the economy. So that is a net negative. That's a payment that's taken away from other spending. Well, let's uh, let's switch topics a little bit. Let's talk about pending home sales. Yeah, pending home sales came in flat month to month. And um, if you look at what's happened this year, uh, whenever the 10-year yield falls, purchase application data gets better. Whenever they rise, purchase application gets worse, we've been in a channel, right? So there's this tug of war of positive and negative, positive, negative, positive, negative, positive, negative. We've had 10 positive prints this year. We've had now nine negative uh, prints this year. So there's no um, there's no kind of breakaway uh, rebound demand. Uh, so pending home sales uh, being flat, considering how low sales been, and we've had uh, uh, still more positive prints than negative, we have to start focusing now forward and uh, see how much damage a 7% uh, uh, mortgage market does. And again, forward-looking demand, if it if we start capturing, we've got back-to-back negative prints and purchase apps. Uh, if we keep going with that, then that means the forward-looking data will be negative. Uh, it'll, ca- it'll catch up to the sales later on. Just like it started to get better from November 9th, and the sales levels had a rebound. Here, we have to start focusing in the second half of the year. Uh, and again, when rates fall, especially when they get towards 6%, the data gets better. When rates get towards 7% or higher, it gets worse. We want to keep it as simple as that. So the flat pending home sales uh, isn't surprising because we've had uh, more positive data than negative early on. But now we have to start focusing in the second half of the year uh, because uh, the seasonality of purchase application data is over with. Uh, but uh, I, I emphasize that there are people out there that fell out an application. They haven't bought a home yet. And rates have now gone up, you know, almost 1% on them. Does that pull them out of the buying uh, uh, um, data line? And I think that's that's when, when rates are this volatile, some of that uh, slippage in the data does occur. It's very hard to track. You just have to assume some people just uh, are, are not going to pull the trigger on that. And again, it makes it difficult as a seller. You know, we're, we're almost at the uh, end of the seasonality of new listings and new listings are trending at all time lows. Do you right now, do you just pull the plug and go, you know what? I was okay where it was at 6%, but not 7%. It could go higher. No, I'm, I'm just going to stay at home another year. Uh, that's what you don't want to see. That's what we saw last year. And we haven't been able to get any traction on new listings data, um, so we'll 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 keep. Well, I'll be very interested to see the new listings data the next uh, next three weeks if rates stay above seven percent. So that was my next question. So we're coming up on the weekend. This is when you get the Altos Research inventory data, which you always tease out on Saturday, and then write the housing market tracker on Sunday, which looks at um, yeah. And this will be this will be the last. Uh, cl- uh, I mean. It'll be more of a clean data line this week. Uh, you always have to be mindful of any weekly data when there's a holiday, uh, because when there's a holiday, then uh, we're going to have to deal with uh, people just 
you know, doing their holiday traveling and not uh, participating in home buying and home selling. So for me, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see if the new listings data has any kind of a bigger decline now that rates uh, got above 7%. And one of the things that happened last year is that last year at this time, 2022 data was actually uh, running higher than 2021. And uh, new listings data was showing growth. Uh, but when rates spiked the second time in the second half of 2022, that that was it. Uh, the, we started to see the seasonal decline, but the seasonal decline also came with year-over-year declines as well. So you always know there's going to be a seasonal decline, but you, you really did, you didn't want to see that new listings data uh, start to fall in that manner. Well, and I think we're going to see because of this, if, if we could get rates stable towards the middle of the summer or, or later, then you could see that fall pickup in, in home selling, right? Because you had a lot of people who sat out this. Uh, seemingly That's out something this to think about toward the end of this year. And then also uh, for the 2024 inventory season, right? We, we've had very, very long delays of getting the seasonal bottom in inventory uh, the last few years because mortgage demand picks up toward the end of the year and then that filters out into the sales data, which prevents the active listings to grow and the seasonal bottom to get there faster. So it's just when you're working from very low levels of inventory, uh, anything can really move the needle. Uh, so, and we saw that uh, this year and uh, uh, it, it's going to be real. I mean, it is going to be so interesting tracking weekly data now. Uh, for the rest of the year. I mean, uh, again, another big variable change uh, and uh, you got to go with it, right? Remember, forward-looking data, numbers over people always, right? That's that's our motto, numbers over people. Uh, you take ideological uh, mindset out of the equation, focus on the numbers. Well, it is Memorial Day weekend. Um, this is not, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of great news for our um, listeners today, unfortunately, right? Thinking about the Fed just, you know, not caring and and going to put pain on, especially on the housing market. But give me one minute on why you are still bullish on America, because I know this is the topic. Well, I mean, uh, first of all, the U.S. is still expanding, right? And uh, uh, you're not seeing credit stress or... Uh, uh, massive supply growth because people are losing their jobs or anything. I mean, think about this. We just had the bi- biggest inflation shock in recent history. We've had the biggest mortgage rate shock and the biggest short-term interest rate stock and the unemployment rates at, you know, 3.4%. People are consuming and spending goods. And we have young demographics, right? Because we have a bunch of crazy people on the internet who think we're Japan. And there's only one group of people that think we're Japan. And they're all the people who hate the Fed. Um, so yeah, you, you, you think of everywhere else around the, around the country, the, uh, the U S economy is holding very firm, right? Because consumer balance sheets are different this time around. And when consumer balance sheets are different, uh, uh people are employed, they're spending, uh, rates get down to 6%. You can see a, a demand pick up. So much different kind of housing market than what we saw. But again, uh, we all pay the piper when home prices escalate out of control. Um, and I was reminding people, you know, back in February of 2021, when I wrote the article, we need higher rates, not because this is the housing credit bubble. It's just because inventory is really low and prices can escalate. Back then, we were still dealing with the forbearance crash bros 
who kept on saying that millions of homes are going to come on the market, even though there wasn't even millions of inventory. So I don't know, there's something about housing that creates like a a sociopathic mindset of people <laughs> just constantly trolling uh, in their lives. And uh, uh, so you 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 have a lot of things going here in the U.S. that are that are different than other countries. And uh, king dollar again, the dollar's rising, right? You know, that's not that we, we're not having a collapse of the dollar or anything like that. So considering what's happening in Europe, what's happening in Japan and other places of the world, this is it. This is the show right here. So uh, the growth rate of inflation falls over time and we get s- something back to normal again. Um, but uh, a lot of drama this year, right? No, it's a lot of drama every year. I mean, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. Uh, the previous cycle was so boring, but now we're paying for, uh, we're going to have a crazy decade for after having a very slow recovery in the previous one. Listen, I don't even know. When we go back to normal, this podcast is going to feel a lot different. We'll just talk about normal things. We won't have all these. Yeah. Things. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it's interesting. We, you know, the previous expansion was so boring and it, Really, it, it, there wasn't so much volatility in rates and demand was never exploding higher and uh, inventory channels were stable. And it's just every week something is up here. But we love that because we're here to talk about weekly forward-looking data and that's how it should be done. Uh, you just have to be able to explain it for people to make sense out of it all. Logan, thanks so much for being on. Thanks for your insight. And we will talk to you again after the holiday. Pleasure to be here, Sarah. Hi, I'm McKenna Clay, Events and Programs Specialist here at HW Media, and I wanted to invite you to our upcoming event this summer. A theme we've heard from housing leaders this year is the importance of relationships to not only survive, but be strategic in 2023. And that's why we decided to invite the top C-suite executives and leaders in mortgage to join us at Gathering of Eagles in Austin, Texas from June 18th until 21st. Now, Gathering of Eagles has historically been exclusive to the nation's most elite brokerage, association and team leaders, and C-suite leaders. But for the first time this year, we're opening up the audience to include execs from mortgage, title, and insurance so that you can connect and build vital partnerships for your business. If you want to learn more, visit the events page on realtrends.com and you can get registered today to come hang out with us in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.